This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello there. Welcome to you. This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition. I'm Peter Gowers. And let me introduce you to the co-hosts, Mr. Leon Logan-Nathan and from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, Mr. Christopher Walsh. Gentlemen, hello there. Hello. Hey, guys. So here's the situation. I'm going to say you're very lucky that I'm here tonight and you're probably going to say, "Mm, maybe, maybe not. About five o'clock this afternoon, these are the symptoms I've started feeling. Sore throat, runny nose, light headache, uncomfortable breathing and a light fever. How was your dinner? <laughs> no, dinner was good. I checked for poison. You're there was fine. none found. <laughs> but what I've decided is that uh, I'm I'm going to take the uh, Donald Trump approach, and if you don't get tested, you don't get cases. So I think we're all good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Don't get tested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe get on a plane and come up to Darwin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and lie on that piece of paper. How are you feeling? <laughs> oh, feeling great. <laughs> there's, yeah, it's um, there's still yeah. I guess we're still. You know, they were. It's funny they were talking about that. I think on NBC today with uh, mm. Hugh Eggie because it's been a year. Yeah, yeah, since exactly. The first case, and I think he acknowledged that there's a lot of luck involved here, and why Darwin hasn't had it. This isn't. You know, this this wasn't Michael Gunner, the superhero, mm. um, saving us all. I mean, there were some, yeah, you know, they followed some procedures and they, yeah, and a lot of luck and, you know, the geographic location of it and all, all those other things that we've talked about before um, all played a part in that. So that's interesting. But we, we have been lucky in the sense that a lot of sick people haven't shown up or lied or yeah, yeah. got into the community. But it's a small place, so. Look, I'm not particularly concerned that it's it's a, a problem, but what I have noticed is that in probably the last month or two, while we did have a lockdown not that long ago, but um, essentially we've been able to lead a much freer lifestyle. Social distancing is much less than it was. Um, the kids are starting to get those sort of runny noses and colds that kids get at school, whereas last year the schools were really big on social distancing even when they were attending school. So I think the the common cold and the common flu is going to come back again as, as uh, quickly as it went away. Yeah, yeah it seemed like part of the, the whole battle against COVID was against the common cold. Yeah, so, yeah that's yeah, right. Um, <laughs> couldn't let anyone get, get a cold. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yes. All right. Well, uh, it looks like we're into week three of um, <laughs> the sorry saga of. Uh, yeah, we're going to come up with a with a name for it, like Gate something. Yeah, that's gate. right. Yeah, cocaine sex gate. That's it. <laughs> Day twenty one. Well, we may have to put a number <laughs> next to it, though. I think it may not be the first. <laughs> And it won't be the last. Yeah. <laughs> well, after last week's episode, I did go and watch that movie you recommended, Burn After After Reading. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I'm just surprised I I'd never heard of the movie before. <laughs> yeah, it was like as the a, sleeper. It has yeah. a stellar cast of, of, you know, I mean, John Malkovich was John Malkovich <laughs> to a T. Uh, absolutely. George Clooney. George Clooney. I mean, my God. Francis you know? McDermott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and they all just play their parts perfectly as a bunch of bumbling idiots <laughs> who who think that they've they've stumbled upon something of such significance that um, it's going to change their lives that they can blackmail people, and then this mm. whole series of events unfolds, and you realize just how stupid everybody is, even the people they're trying to blackmail. <laughs> yeah, like Malkovich's character, it's just great. It's just great. And I don't want to give anything away because people should watch it because it, it just oh. it really does kind of sum up how ridiculous people can be sometimes and how they stumble into things similar uh, to this. I got to tell you, um, when Clooney was it, opened the cupboard, uh, <laughs> the wardrobe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was that is that right? No, who yeah, yeah. the wardrobe? Yeah, it was him. Then he put a he have a gun on him, and oh my goodness, that was <laughs> <so funny>. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then so, and then the I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. And then the the axe attack, and then what about what about the chair, the the Clooney's building. Oh, like, yeah, we oh, don't know what he's <laughs> and then that's like painting dead dog stuff right like, <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta see what he what he's building but yeah that's equivalent to that what people do in, in their spare time sometimes you just gotta kind of scratch your head and say Jesus, all right <laughs> yeah but uh anyway on the subject of uh of, of coen brothers movies how, how did we go this week you had, yeah. uh, you had uh, a story here of um, the chief minister's leadership being questioned over persistent cover-up allegations, uh, death by a thousand cuts. Uh, yeah, look, that's how, uh, that's how Leah Finacchiaro was, was describing it, the opposition leader. So uh, this story was kind of the sum up of, of uh, the other two stories that we broke over the weekend and into Monday. Uh, which uh, relied on, I was telling you guys in the last podcast, we have more stuff coming. We're working on this stuff. And it was a matter of going through a lot of text messages, like hours worth of transcriptions of text messages um, between the woman and, and, and Turner to, 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 to kind of get a better sense really of, of, of everything and how it unfolded and, and who was playing what part behind the scenes, because we knew a little bit. Now we know a lot. Now we know a lot more about it. But all of it really culminating in this idea that um, that every day it seemed that in those few days when these stories were rolling out that, and Gunner was remaining silent and we went to them again and I guess they lost our emails, our email again in the server because they didn't respond <laughs> to any of the questions. But, you know, there, there, there's issues here of exactly the extent of the cover-up, how, how many people were actually involved, who was involved. And, uh, and, and he's sitting back now not saying anything. And I think once you can kind of forensically go over a statement and, a, and it's always interesting the way he did that by issuing a statement on that Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago, because I can mm. go through that now and I can see what he said, uh, what he contends happened, but then you can find other things that, that, that maybe disprove that, or, or at least raise doubt and suspicion over what he said it, as the official statement from him, officially, this is what he knew and when he knew it. 
And, you know, that's even bizarre, though, right? I mean, he, he still says that he knew about it early in the week of February 8th. What, what the hell does that mean? What's that yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Is he counting Time, Sunday? Timeline it for us, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, look, yeah. So the, 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 there's, uh, a lot of stuff here that, that started to come out that Gunner is avoiding. And of course, these calls would be that he didn't handle this properly from the beginning. Of course, when it first came out, I remember he was talking about COVID. He said he couldn't answer <laughs> any questions because he was yeah. too busy focusing on saving lives on COVID to address the scandal that was that was brewing. Mm. <laughs> well, now we know that he knew for over a week before that uh, that, that this was coming down, uh, and yeah, and he apparently was too busy. So there, there's just a lot of questions still on what they knew, when they knew it, who was exactly involved. And you had, uh, you know, Leo Finocchiaro come out. I think we'll get into that. We'll get into those other two stories here in a bit because th there are some really interesting uh, messages in there and things that reveal some things that we didn't know before. But just on this, I mean, when, when these stories come out, then there's questions and, and everyone's saying, and he still hasn't addressed any of these things, right? Like he, he went on ABC on Monday, no, Tuesday morning. Now, on Monday, we revealed a story about ABC that we'll get into here in a bit. But let me just tell you that one of the questions should be should have been to him. Who who on your team acted to cover this up? Why did they do this? Why were you getting people to lie? You were convincing the woman to lie. Who, who was all involved in this collusion and the cover up? And I'll tell you what, that question wasn't asked once. And the reason why is, well, anyone who read our story on Monday knows that the ABC radio appears to have been a party in colluding to uh, uh. to keep the information down. So we'll get into that for a bit. But anyway, all of this comes out and, and the questions are then posed to the chief minister. I mean, uh, Leo Finocchiaro saying that Gunner's handling was woeful and a collapse of leadership. She says the scandals become death by a thousand paper cuts for the chief minister. He sits back as all this stuff comes out. Um, the only thing to resolve this class collapse of leadership is for Gunner to finally admit his role in the deliberate cover-up of this scandal and stand aside as chief minister. Um, Robin Lamley uh, getting a few shots in here, too, saying, you know, the government's in free fall. She, she kind of summed up how this was going, and I think that this is an important part of it. What, what we saw in the last sittings of Parliament and what we've seen since, and we'll get into the, the, the park fees, going up and how that was all rolled out. I mean, that's, that's a bungle in the way that they've done this. And it just seems that that everything that they've been doing lately, the, 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 essentially just floundering and throwing things out there and not mm. having uh, a concise communication strategy or how they're going to explain things to people. This is like a government that, 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 that has kind of become destabilized and lost its bearings a bit and are just throwing out whatever, right? So she, she kind of sums this up pretty good, I think, Robin Lamley, when she says, you know, you got weeks of covering up tacky sex scandals, the sudden mysterious resignation of an assistant police commissioner, unconstitutionally limiting the freedom of the press, failing to deliver on numerous key election commitments from 2016, uh, no care and no responsibility for escalating crime clear across the territory, Everything they said they wouldn't be, they have become dishonest, lacking integrity, and extremely arrogant. Wow. And, and you're talking, this is just in the last 10 days. <laughs> That's, right. That's just in February. Yeah. Like, like yeah. It's Jeez. hard to see that you know that, that this is on nerve, Gunner, that this is hit very close to home with Gunner. 
that there's still unresolved issues over, you know, the, the staffer, the most one of his most senior advisors, Kent Rowe, mm. uh, being forced to resign for what Gunners even said he lied to me about this affair. He lied to me about the extent of it and what was going on. Um, well, that's pretty serious. Plus, he's compromised his his position for doing what he was doing. And then on top of that, he's humiliated the Labour Party, the Territory Labour Party. I mean, Kemp Rowe effectively was one of the, the, the rulers of the party for the better part of the last decade, you know, calling the shots on everything, running the election campaigns and, and finally getting rewarded after the last one with this, you know, high, high price, high profile job on the fifth floor as an advisor. And, you know, he's now lost that, squandered that. But that, that's where it hits really close to home and, and, and it embarrasses the party in a way. And you recall that Erin early was, um, the president of the party was talking about that when she was first asked and she said, well, anything that brings the party into disrepute is concerning for us. Well, she mm-hmm. said that before we knew exactly how, uh, <laughs> how embarrassing this was going to be for the labor party. And it, and it's been hugely humiliating for all of them. And, um, meanwhile, Gunner is just, they, they seem to kind of let, let Gunner stay there and, and take, take some more humiliation in these things and they're not doing anything yet, but you know, and it's, it's really difficult to tell what's going on behind the scenes with labor. I mean, politically, they're not saying much in the, in the caucus room, but you've got the unions here who, you know, the left and right factions would be kind of angling for um, things to, to kind of get power back and control back in the party. And what does that mean for Gunner? And meanwhile, uh, Gunner's floundering here. I mean, these, these announcements that he's making aren't very coherent. They're, they're not effective in, in communicating what he's trying to do. It doesn't seem like there's any cohesive plan here. So, yeah, a lot of issues. He hasn't. He surely hasn't recovered from this one uh, yet. And like I said last week, I think he's 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 lost a lot of skin in this and a lot of credibility with Territorians over his handling and the communication strategy that was applied that we've seen now. You know, wasn't upfront. I mean, as much as he complained about the other two guys not being upfront, he wasn't upfront about it. and hiding behind COVID early on. And then coming up with these other excuses, which these messages show, um, you know, that, that, that they weren't being forthright with people. So it's a, it's a mess all around and certainly a, the biggest shot to his leadership, I think, that we've seen yet. To the changes to the Labor, um, Labor Party rules a few years ago uh, help him to keep this seat for a bit longer? Because it's it, what you just described... I mean, you think of all those things in isolation, you think, gee, that's damaging. But as you just rattled off what Robin Lamley said, it's, it's an all-out balls-up by the sound of it. Yeah. Oh, those two weeks were hugely embarrassing in Parliament. I mean, they didn't get anything accomplished. I'm not sure how much they had to actually accomplish anyway. So, But it became such a distraction. And, and, it was, and it's a distraction because of the way that they handled it. They weren't upfront about it. You handle it, mm. it goes away. <laughs> this this thing, I mean, it was still rolling out as of this Monday. We were still running stories on it because we had new information that they had, you know, that appeared to contradict what their story was. But in, in terms of any like leadership spill with labor, yeah, it, it's quite difficult, except that it's not. I mean, on paper, it's difficult that you need to get however many, like three quarters of the actual, um, you know, rank and file members to disendorse. A leader, but no leader would be dumb enough to go to through that process. I mean, <laughs> as it's humiliation. I mean, we talk about humiliations that Gunners had to go through. I mean, that would be one that I don't think. But you know, who knows with him? I mean, yeah, you know, like in the old days, like they had guys on the side of the road in the states and during the depression who had their pants pulled down and they're hold, <laughs> holding signs. 
like sandwich boards for things. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. essentially what Michael Gunner went through <laughs> for the past few weeks here. And yeah. um, so, look, as soon as there becomes a challenger apparent and they can say that they have the numbers and stuff, it'll happen and it should happen as traditional politics does that a leader would resign. But at this point, look, nobody's come forward. Uh, still unclear what's happening behind the scenes there. But their silence is almost interesting too i mean yeah. nobody's also coming out to to say how great he is so shock and all there <laughs> yeah and i mean and his facebook page has changed right like it, it's very interesting i was saying today if if there was a poll to be done now um you know a leadership uh poll or you know on policies as well i and it's only six months after the last election and i think you'd see a remarkable loss in support and just those those six months from the last election and uh, look look no further than if, to get a sense of that from his facebook page and talking you know six seven months ago he'd post something and everybody would be kissing his feet and saying you know you saved us michael god bless you and you know love to your family and we you know we wish you all the best thank you for being the best chief minister ever it's the exact opposite now. I mean, he, he put out something silly about how uh, uh, well, the territory is the safest place in the country, thanks to me and you and everybody. And um, and people just said, You've, you clearly you forget about Alice Springs again because it's not safe. Old people yeah. are afraid to go out by themselves. Everybody's afraid to go out by themselves in Alice Springs. Darwin elderly people are afraid to go out. Um, and it just seemed out of touch there that he's still he's still trading on COVID and it's catching up to him and nobody's buying it anymore. And mm. yeah, you'd see that. So and let's just remember before COVID happened, uh, Michael Gunner was as deeply unpopular as Adam Jaws was according to polls. <laughs> like wow. on, on the, I saw a poll in May 2019 that that showed that he was yeah he was at the numbers that we never thought anyone would reach before of unpopularity. It was like net negative thirty eight or something. Like it was. It was. That bad. wasn't the borrowing numbers, was it, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was not a good scene. And then he had that bump uh, from COVID, and so I think now reality's setting back in. And um, I would just suggest that his handling of this didn't help anything. And uh, mm. and and the crime, you know, the crime thing's still on him, and he hasn't been seen to be strong on that. So. Uh, he's he's limping along here now, and we'll see what happens. Mm. Well, I guess we should dig a little deeper into uh, this scandal stuff, and you alluded to it earlier about uh, an ABC interview segment uh, with the woman at the centre of the controversy, uh, and, yeah. and the text messages that may or may not have been uh, altered somewhat. Uh, yeah, uh, Pete, this, this one was surprising, I think, for a lot of people to... Uh, you know, we know that um, we know that ABC Darwin Newsroom has a bit of an issue, and and they've had it for a while. And it's not fair to their reporters, who you know I, I say they have some very good reporters there. However, you know they have been unable to uh, handle this conflict of interest that they've had for for years, for you know four and a half years, and of course that being with Christy O'Brien, uh, Michael Gunner, the chief minister's wife working in the newsroom and even when that came to a head late last year in november remember when media watch was yeah did a did a piece on it and 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 exposed some of the stories i mean there was some like the allegations there you know and she was doing her tea party and stuff um which wasn't a good look but then 
you know, the more damning stuff too is just these stories. And we we've been sent them too after we did our first story on it. And you look at these stories and you think, oh my God, it, it appears that ABC's integrity is being compromised here. And and some of those stories appear to benefit the chief minister's uh, political ambition. So look, that that's what's going on in the background that that hasn't been resolved. And you remember Sam McMahon, uh, the senator had asked uh, uh, David Anderson, the managing director of ABC, if he was aware that, you know, one of his journalists was campaigning on the campaign trail. And then, you know, a couple months later back in the, uh, well, not even, I think a few weeks later after the election was back in the newsroom reporting on things on general rounds. Uh, look, the, the answer there came back and it was the, the, the brush off that, uh, that uh, it's been handled and there was a staff meeting about it. Now the staff say there was no staff meeting about it, that nobody ever talked about it, but they just hoped it would go away, right? They still just hoped it would go away. And then something like this happens and everybody's just turned back around into looking at ABC, you know, the, the, these old myths, I think, and rumors, uh, whatever of, you know, bias at the ABC that they're biased for labor um, you know, a lot of the reporters I work with, I wouldn't say that. I think that they're pretty fair and straight down the line. And ABC has a reputation, I think, for that, of being fair and down the line. Um, but, but these things happen and, and it's about perception, you know, the same as in politics as it is in journalism, I guess, that is, if, if there's that perception that they're biased and they're slanted, well, you know, good luck getting away from that. And you'd have to do a lot to, to prove otherwise. And in this case, when this when this happened when this scandal happened so i was looking they you know on the sunday came out it's questionable but then leah fanacchiaro makes it an issue because she's the leader of the opposition and she calls on gunner to explain what's going on and that that rolls into monday and still the the abc doesn't do anything and on tuesday as things are heating up still the abc doesn't do anything on wednesday on the wednesday they do this this interview with the woman and this is on radio but again there's still no news story and in fact, the first online story that they do on this is like four days after the fact. I think it was Thursday morning. And you remember that on the Wednesday night is when uh, Mark Turner resigned. But I guess that was too late at, yeah. at nine o'clock for any ABC <laughs> reporter to be Bre- breaking news. <laughs> yeah, but then, no, they couldn't do that. So it was sometime yeah. in the in the morning of the Thursday that they get their first online story up because uh, Turner had admitted this affair and. Um, and uh, later that day, he subsequently gets sacked from caucus. But now let's go back to the Wednesday. So uh, the 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 woman at the center of this uh, does this interview, which, you know, like I said before, really breathed new life back into the whole scandal. At that point, it was, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And then she goes on ABC and admits that she's had this uh, sweet, uh, consensual, loving uh, relationship. Right? Remember where? <laughs> He's a sweet, darling man and a kind and gentle yes, lover. And, yes. uh, By the hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, anyway, so this this thing comes up and then, wow, all of a sudden we know it's an MLA. This is now on the record. The woman at the center of this is saying that, that, that this is what's happened, that it's MLA. Now, one of the things, right, I mean, there's always the, the, the whole allegation at the beginning was that something had happened on election that there was a party, that there may have been drugs involved. <laughs> um, Joe Laverty, who's who's doing the interview, doesn't ask about the staffer at all. Like, not once. She asks about the MLA and continues to harp on the MLA, being, we know now later, was, was Mark Turner. And she says, you know, um, 
did he do anything illegal? Did you see anything? And, and the woman keeps saying, no, I, I didn't see any MLA do anything illegal. And she even kind of says it like that, but Joe Laverty doesn't think. And I thought that ought at the time to ask, well, what about the other person who was there or the other people who were there and who were there and what did they do? Uh, that doesn't get asked. And then, you know, the way that this goes is, well, I mean, there's, there's a few things, but some of the questions. So she says, Joe Laverty says to the woman, you know, I know who the MLA is and I'm not going to name him. And then she proceeds to say, you know, but to me, this sounds like it was just a very sweet, consensual relationship. And you got to think <laughs> like, and I said this a couple of weeks ago when I first heard it, I thought, my God, why is she saying that? I mean, she knows that this guy's a married father of five, former police officer implicated in all of this. And she's calling it a, a very sweet relationship which mimics some things right does she, of, does of, she, of language does she know the, the the lady is that why she was well I apparently just feeling, I, mean, I just got the feeling when i read that story your story a couple yeah. of things one it sounded like they knew each other as friends and yeah that's the reason why she was willing to be um yeah uh, interviewed and, and put out there yeah well, she was willing well, to sort of, you know, uh, take things out of the interview. Now, well, well, but wait, I, wait, I haven't got into that yet, oh, man. Okay. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, <right>. Come on, Leo. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting what, myself. What were you going to say, though? Oh, I was just going to say it just sounded. Uh, I, I thought that the, the the look, and I'm not an ABC person. I've got no idea how these things work. It sounded like they pressed record. Yeah, they had an introduct, introductory talk. Uh, and then they got into the actual story. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. and then she decided that uh, the lady in question decided she didn't want the introductory part of it in there. And so she said to Joe, uh, you know, could you please take this out? Well, yeah, yeah. So, but there's some issues behind yeah, the scenes on that, right? So, so first off, when that interview airs, and it's a very soft interview, and that's what I was establishing there before. I mean, she's, she's saying things to this woman that, that she knows not to be true, too. Um, and to keep her going. Now, that that interview was never presented as a pre-recorded interview. In fact, I think it was the next day that Joe Laverty said that it, oh yeah, it was recorded, um, almost as if she's trying to cover that up after the fact, right? To say oh I should have maybe said that. So it was presented to everybody as if it was live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, and you're you're absolutely right. So she says in there. Now, what we find in these text messages between the woman and Mark Turner. Well, first off, remember that after this interview and after she says she has an affair with an MLA, Turner gets in touch with the woman and says, you got to go back on that. You got to retract those comments. Here's a statement for you to issue the media saying that it's only a friendship. You never had sexual relationship with an MLA. You know, MLAs, you're friends with MLAs. <laughs> I mean, it, trying to get, get her to lie. Right. And we still don't know if, if Gunner's people and his team or even Gunner himself is involved in this and trying to get this woman to lie and cover it up. So what we see now in these new texts, so which which is surprising, is that 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 Mark Turner knew about this interview before it went to air. And in fact, the messages are texting him saying here um, he, he gets sent uh, an excerpt of the interview, something that was proposed that was going to be on the segment. So the whole segment of this interview with the woman at the center of the cocaine sex scandal is what was built. Um, here's, here's this part and, 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 and Joe Laverty sends it to the woman and the woman then sends it on to Mark Turner. So this is all before 7:45 AM. And, uh, when she goes on and, and supposedly live, we all think it's live anyway. Um, 
Turner listens to it and he writes back and he says, I'd ask Joe to get rid of the consent stuff and sex stuff as it'll get twisted. He wrote the woman wrote. Yes. Turner then says, do you agree? Like I've said before, it needs to be teamwork. The woman says yes. And she, as in Joe Laverty said yes to that. Um, and then the woman then goes on and says, thanks for helping me. I didn't blab that on air. That was two girlfriends chatting. I didn't know mm-hmm. she was recording. She's going to take it out now. And uh, and then Turner starts talking about this, his progressive agenda and how about misunderstood love and supporting the polyamory, non-binary community. It oh. gets really odd there. Wow. <laughs> um, That's clutching. I, That's, uh, yeah, like it's all like... Going to church would, on Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and this is, yeah, and this is the guy who's going to church. And it seems to me like this is their plan B backup is, all right, all else fails, let's say it's a polyamory, non-binary thing. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, so the woman then responds and sends a message from Jolene Audrey, which is Joe Laverty's Facebook name. Uh, there's a message there that says, done, it's out. The woman says there, she cut it. Uh, then Turner says, are you happy for me to go down the route of nothing inappropriate has happened? It's a hit job. We've done nothing illegal. And unfortunately, it's internet gossip that's been weaponized. Uh, you know, and these are become his talking points and stuff. But I mean, the question then becomes how many times has this guy lied to parliament just yeah. in this little speech that he gave later that day? I mean, we've got all of this stuff that he knew what he was saying wasn't, wasn't accurate. wasn't true. Um, so that, that is just so surprising. And oh, and I, I should also say that when, after the audio is sent to him, that he then tells her to cut, which is then cut. He says, oh, yeah, um, can you delete that audio from the Facebook before the staff wake up and grab it? Not sure how to do the unsent messages, he says. So he's using his MLA <laughs> Facebook thing. And guess what? His wife is employed in his electorate office. So he's basically... Wow. He's, what's that? Yeah. What does she do in the electorate office? Uh, I don't know. I Look, I was told it was Social media. Position. <laughs> yeah, but she would conceivably have access to that, you would think. So... Um, yeah, it's getting so a little... So can I ask this question, Chris? I mean, you're a journalist. Yeah. You've worked for the ABC, right? I've been interviewed by the ABC, I don't know, probably two or three times over the years, maybe more. I have never been offered my audio back to me to, to, to listen to and decide what I want in or out. It's not done. It's against editorial no. policy. It's against editorial policy. And in fact, it's equivalent to, you know, people have asked me from time to time, oh, can I read your story before you run it? Like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Like, no, yes. no, no. And, and you just, you can never go back on that stuff. You can never give up that integrity and that separation there, even if it is somebody who you, you might be friendly with. Uh, to do that compromises your journalistic integrity and ability to, to, to do your job properly. And so, look, on this one, we got to be a little, we, we, we have to certainly be fair here. And Leon, like you said, and it, and it appears because then he says, oh, so just give me the heads up is the rest of the interview that they've, that we've just sent messages to each other. So it appears that it's not the entire interview that's mm-hmm. sent to him and to her, that it's this extra part that had, that they had discussed uh, early on before, you know, the, the, the kind of preamble to it where they're talking about what, what, what they're going to talk about. And, and that's what the ABC said that their statement to us was uh, along the lines of any suggestion that Ms. Laverty allowed the subject of the interview to make edits before it aired is wrong. A few comments were recorded in the preamble to the interview, which on reflection, Ms. Laverty wanted to include. 
She went back to the subject of the interview seeking permission to do so. Permission was not given. There were no changes to recorded interview as edited by the ABC Radio Darwin team. And aside from local news reporting, well, then they just talked about how they actually reported it on their on their current affairs program, PM, nationally. Now, mm. PM isn't actually connected to their newsroom. It's actually a separate journalist in there right. who made the call to actually do that. So the Darwin newsroom really was behind and, and appeared not to want to report on this thing, downplayed it. The ABC didn't address in any of the questions, in, well, in their response, the questions that we had about whether or not Joe Laverty had spoken to anyone in labor before this interview went and if if anything were shared with labor they didn't talk about that they also didn't explain why joe would would tell the woman that it was a really sweet consensual relationship after admitting <laughs> to knowing what was going on um they also uh just you know just so many issues here when when you get into a thing where it looks like that and especially when you've got uh questions of integrity already lingering in the darwin newsroom and then stuff like this happens it's a bad look all around and certainly um not something that should have happened like this and and to, and to just write it off as that i mean yes, that it was only a little segment but it was still a proposed segment that then got cut so so they wanted mm. to use this they thought that this maybe had some value hard to even say i mean if they were doing it to protect him why it didn't run and then but but the fact that mark turner got to hear it beforehand and have a say in that that that's really yeah. like, that's damaging to the abc's integrity so yeah, yeah. chris couple of things one um or well, this is just for general knowledge as well uh having spent some time in a little radio studios uh over my uh, previous career rule number one for anybody if you're in a room with a microphone in it you can assume it's being recorded, <laughs> yeah. right? So whether it's against your will, your knowledge or whatever, you can assume it's being recorded. A question I have for you. So the on-air presenters at ABC Darwin, what connection do they have to the newsroom where Michael Gunner's wife works? Uh, what I mean by that is it's do they separate. have – Right, so they have complete editorial say over their own programs, time slots, et cetera. The editorial meeting happens between radio, and I know this because I worked in both divisions. I worked in radio as a producer, and I worked in the newsroom as a journalist. So I know how this works. And that they're both separate, but every day they have the, edit the same editorial meeting. Mm. Um, and that's when everything's thrown out there, and uh, things are discussed. And what, what does radio have? What does news have? And it's, a lot of times radio will maybe pick something up that news has and say, oh, can that journalist come on or can you give us some talent to to interview to go with that story that's going to come out tonight at seven o'clock um so it, it is they try and keep it separate but of course you've got everybody in there they're all you know in the same building they're all talking and stuff um yeah it's it's uh but yeah but radio does seem to operate on its own so in your professional opinion there is absolutely no way that the newsroom couldn't have known about this story at that time yeah, I think you used a double negative there. I mean, what is it? So that, <laughs> there's no way they couldn't have known. Like they yeah. knew. I'm sure they, they had to. Have known. They had to have known. 
Oh, they knew that. Yeah, they would have known because, yeah, it was coming up. It was built. I was getting texts from people. They would have known and they've been listening and using it. And yeah. And, 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 and she recorded it sometime earlier. So around then, the chief of staff would have definitely known. The chief of staff who goes on to do an early thing would have known exactly what was going on. But I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that they did anything inappropriate there, that the newsroom, but it's this perception, as I said, there's this, there's this conflict of interest there that has never been resolved for all of these years. And they think it will go away. And then you get another incident like this where it's, where their integrity is called into question again. And mm. they just got to fix it. Like somebody from outside needs to, to fix it. And because the Darwin newsroom is ruining the ABC's integrity overall with these things by not resolving this conflict of interest and having issues like this come up. Is there any way that this story would not have made the headlines on any other ABC in the country if it was any other state or territory government? Yeah, look, that's hard to say. That's a bit of a hypothetical there. But, yeah, look, they didn't even report it after the fact. Like, they had the woman on. And let me say this, and this is where we got an issue, too, is that so they had the woman on. You know, I'm, I'm recording it at 745 in my house here, transcribing it, saying, okay, well, we've got to get a story up on this. They didn't do anything. There was no news story on this. They let the woman do it. And, and, and I want to just, because this was another question that they did not address. So at the end of the segment, um, Joe Laverty says this. She says the following. So there you go. The woman at the center of all this so-called cocaine sex scandal who says she has been contacted by police and they have at this stage no further questions for her. So is it time to drop it? She continues. Do you think? Are you just sick of it? Now that you know a little bit more about the detail, I'd be curious to know. Do you want to hear more about this so-called sex cocaine scandal? Or is it time to put it to bed? Wow. And it and it appears that she's telling the public it's time to drop it. Yeah. It's time to move on. There it is. There's no police investigation because the woman at the center said she was investigated and they had no further questions. So why would we want to know anything more about it? <laughs> and that's where it becomes biased, right? So when you're on radio, you can get away with a lot of stuff that journalists, like that other people, that written journalists who print or online can't, right? <laughs> so if you're going to angle something, you better do it smartly and you better get away with it because once it's in writing, this, mm. like when it's on this online, when it's on our website, people get to read that and they're saying, holy Christ, look what she did. She yeah. tried to angle this. She tried to get people, convince people that, oh, there's nothing to see here. And then we know that she, you know, was getting directives from the woman on how it should be done, which is a big no-no under ABC editorial policies. But then worse than that, the woman is getting directives from Mark Turner, uh, you know, the labor MLA at the center of it all. And then we still don't know. If, who he was getting directives from yeah. in labor to cover it up. So it's it's really ugly, and it was just handled so poorly by the ABC on this one. That Yeah, yeah. So on the subject of, of, of Mark Turner getting directions, let's go to the next story. Yeah, well. Uh, do you mind if I make a few phone calls? Text message reveals attempt, attempted cocaine sex scandal cover-up. So <laughs> I think you're still digging trying to find out who was assisting Mark in uh, yeah. from the Labour Party in in, in uh, 
what do you call this, quarterbacking this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Good word, Leon. Great word. (laughs) My non-sporting friend. (laughs) Now, what it's been, uh, you know, Michael Gunner's always said that it's been, that it's been Turner all along, that he didn't know that Turner was, was lying and attempting to get the woman to lie about it. Well, the story that we ran on Saturday, so we actually ran this one two days before we ran the ABC story because this one shows that uh, he had told the woman, you remain completely silent, and this is after she admitted a previous cocaine use, and cocaine use during the election night tryst. And he said, uh, hang on, i got to find out what the possible implications are. Don't say anything. She's talking about journalists calling her. Incidentally, no ABC journalist ever called her to ask uh. to, to prove or disprove what was going on, which is another real problem for the ABC. But um, Gunnar had said, look, it was appropriate. We'd offered some advice to, to Turner on how to handle it. But at no point did any member of my team advise the member for Blaine on how to cover up information. And that's what Gunnar says at some point during this whole thing. So what we know, though, from these text messages is that he says certain things and he uses certain language. He, he says um, uh, the, the frequency of messages ramped up on Saturday, February 6th. That was after the Mango Man did what he did and put up some rumors and stuff that were going around about this uh, sex party. Uh, stay quiet at the moment would be my suggestion, Turner wrote to the woman. What do you think? The woman agreed. He says, if you stay silent, it's no longer a story. It ruins it for them, and that way they don't get what they want. He later wrote, referencing journalists, he says, I know it seems counterintuitive, but it's what I've seen happen a couple of times now. What do you think? Sounds sensible? And you got to wonder, what, what, what does he mean? He's seen this happen a couple of times. He's seen a scandal get killed when, exactly. when people don't say anything. That's <laughs> not him. That's not Mark Turner. Mark Turner's not, not involved in this political stuff. I mean, he's a cop. <laughs> Unless you've seen stuff happen with the cops in terms of scandals coming out and that if you remain silent, but then is that what he's saying? Anyway, yeah. that, that's very bizarre. And that sounds more like a political and somebody politically experienced saying, don't say anything and it'll go away. Um, he does seem to appear at times here to be gaslighting the woman. She, she says, you know, I can't take this anymore. She says, I, and she writes a draft statement saying, look, I just want people to know. We had an affair, you know, that you did nothing illegal. You didn't do any drugs. That everything's fine there. Um, she sends it to him. He says, oh, well, that's extremely well written. Um, then he says, but who saw the statement? Uh, she said, oh, the NT News at this point. He said, uh, she said, do you want me to change anything? He said, I think it's great. And it's from you and authentic. I'm just concerned they're trying to trip you up. Haven't met too many journalists without their own agenda, unfortunately. Do you mind? And that I don't know how many journalists is he as a backbencher guy from, <laughs> you know, an MLA for Blaine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many journalists is he met? He doesn't, he's not in a role that he'd be talking to journalists. Anyway, um, he says, and this is where it gets complicated. So he says, do you mind if I make a few phone calls and get back to you before you give it to them? So who's he calling? He then gets in touch and he mentions legislation. He uses that word. Um, he says, look, it's added stress you don't need on your plate. And that's what's making me annoyed. <laughs> um, it's like you said before about people wanting to use you. It's always about them, not you or the greater good. Something I'm starting to realize transitioning into my new world sort of points out why we have so many issues. My thoughts are if you give them a statement, they'll blow it up again and it's back to square one. 
So, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. he's telling this woman that it's, it's for her own good. He continually says that. The thing is, he uses weird phrasing too. Like at one point he says, um, he says, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I just thought that's something that I've heard Gunner use a lot. Gunner says that when he's explaining stuff, and he says, "If that makes sense," and you think like, oh, "Okay, it's just funny the the choice of words." Anyway, and um, he says, "Now this is just the classic." Uh, he says, "She keeps saying, I want to put something out. I want to clear the air here." Uh, he says, "Do you want me to get some advice on it again?" Um, it's your choice if you say something, and that's the way it should be. Turner writes. Don't let anyone bully you into something you don't want to do. He then, no sooner does he say, don't let anyone bully you into something you don't want to do. He then turns around and he says, I don't know if something putting out would be the right thing to do as they're trying to heat pressure on someone to say something so they can go to print without being accused of being defamatory. There might actually be a better way of doing something, but I'll need to ask around first. And I'm only going to do that if you're okay with it. So, you know, do what you want, but don't do that. Whatever you yeah, do, yeah, don't do that, but yeah, everything yeah. else you're free to do. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some real issues here. And then the more you, you read on, the, the more you, you start to see that, 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 that there is some gaslighting going on there, that there's a lot of other, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if abuse is the right word, if that's too strong, but there's certainly manipulation going on. Yeah. And, uh, but politically, and I mean, that's the personal stuff, which, you know, whatever, but politically, who is working on this with him? Who are these people that he says he needs to call? He says a few calls on some of them. He says, let me run this by some people. I mean, who, who's he talking to? It's clear that, uh, that it's somebody it's not, and it's not, it's not his wife. (laughs) I was going to ask you that. (laughs) And he's not running it by, you know, anyone else would be running it by the, the political people. And did they at any time say, just tell her to shut the hell up. Stay completely silent was another line that was repeated. Stay completely silent. So, can, we assume, here we go. can we assume that uh, the old mate that also lost his job uh, is one that's dealing out some of the political advice? Potentially? Yeah, look, yeah, that, that, that's possible. It's up on Gunner's thing. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I know that people have kind of, uh, I think that there's a bit of a shift here and that people are thinking, oh, did Turner do anything wrong here? I mean, he had the extramarital affair. He shouldn't have done that. There's no evidence that he had engaged in any drug use. But the issue here, and I think what people are forgetting, is that it's all about how they handled this. And it's all yeah. about the cover-up at this point and, and the misleading of Parliament. People are forgetting that, I think. Like, he got up there and he lied to the public. He lied to the Northern Territory. We have irrefutable proof of that. He's going to privileges committee to be disciplined for that. Um, but in the meantime, you've got Michael Gunner, who, who also appears to have, or at least his team, also misled Territorians because he's saying we didn't tell him to tell her to cover it up. But we did give advice. Well, the only advice we can see here, and this is you know him actively attempting to do something to, to, to involving this scandal, is to get her to, is to suppress her and tell her to stay completely silent. So it's clear that that was the advice that was given. So you now got some of Michael Gunner's most senior advisors again. I mean, one of them's already had to go down because he's involved in this personally, and he lied about it. But you've got other people up there who who clearly were involved in, in, in attempting to cover it up and getting this woman to stay silent. And at this point, you know, we don't know what, what, what's going to happen there, but it, it, this will eventually come out. The other thing that um, 
that I find strange on this too is, is, is Gunner's behavior in this sense. So he referred Mark Turner to the party to be expelled from the party, but he didn't refer Kent Rowe who is the uh, former Labor Party secretary, Labor heavyweight power broker who, uh, who ran the party for that long. So why doesn't he do that? Gunner says he lied to me about everything. He acted deceptively. I mean, you're going to send one guy for the same thing and, and try and get him yeah. expelled from the party. Why not the other guy? So th- there's some protection going on here. And there's some, there's some stuff that Territorians have a right to know that's in the public interest, including... I mean, what resources were expended here? I mean, these people were getting paid to tell Mark Turner to to tell his mistress to to, to shut the hell up. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just how they handled this. I just throw my hands up in there. I just can't believe it. Like, you know, they're just idiots. It's just burn after reading stuff. It's like they're the, the Malkovich character where they think that they're so important and stuff that they can just make people go away and stuff. And Mm. and uh and not 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 answer anything to the people who elected them it, it is it's like robin lamley said they've become what they always said they wouldn't be the most arrogant government that we've seen uh-huh. yeah i mean what's really most disappointing for me here is you know you can expect i mean you, we've seen it so many times where people get into leadership and then they they change so mm. you expect you know that uh Michael Gunner has, you know, fallen off the perch, as it were. But what's really disappointing is all the sycophants around him that just are aiding and abetting this behaviour. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should all—they all took an oath of office, right? And yet, every person on the Labor side voted against referring Michael Gunner to the Privileges Committee. Mm. Regarding uh, regarding the anti independent now, I don't understand. You know, to me, you know, as an ordinary citizen looking at this, I think, well, okay, you quite happy to go to the privileges committee for Mark Turner, Turner, but mm. no, we're not going to go to the privileges committee for Michael Gunner over this issue, even though it is completely and utterly a blatant uh, uh, breach of the code of conduct, mm-hmm. and one that's been that's been ongoing for so long now. That, that, that maybe they're forgetting about how disgustingly and how significant it is. And uh, yeah, and, and just the resources being used as well, too, right? I mean, he's getting the public service not to talk to us. Yes. Is that a misuse of public resources to do that? Because oh, I, he's. I can't looking at this because it's yeah. just not right. It's yeah. not right. Um, and, and you know we deserve better government than this. I'm not saying mm. you know this is not a this is not an ad for the CLP by any stretch. You know the CLP have their own set of issues, but they're not in government right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe exactly. government, and you know we are entitled to a better quality of leadership than what we're getting right now. Yeah, absolutely, Leon. And, and yeah, sorry. And just to clarify that point, but what I was saying about the resources, right, is that he's using the public service for his own personal gain in this sense by telling them not to talk to the anti-independent because that that furthers his own personal gain, which to me sounds a lot like corruption. Mate, and, I'm uh, telling you right now, I'm telling yeah. you right now, I'm listening to an audio book on, on the Third Reich, and no, we're not the Third <laughs> Reich here, right? But mm-hmm. there, there are some parallels that are just so yeah. scary. And the first thing that gets ditched when you're going into an authoritarian um, mode is the free press. That's the first thing. Mm. That's the first <laughs> wow! And look who and look who played into that. 
this week, right? I mean, the public broadcaster themselves, the ones who are supposed to be higher than everybody on the integrity poll here. And they're, uh, and they're seem to be sending snippets of interviews and, and cutting things at the bequest of, um, of well, people that, that yeah. they might have damaged. Yeah, and, and at the risk of, uh, you know, being criticized, I'm quite happy to go on the record to say that I am a big fan of Auntie. You know, I, I think the ABC plays an absolutely integral role in our society and i'm so glad that uh, we've got the abc but they then they've got a they've got a perception problem they've got a reputational problem i mean rupert murdoch is doing his damnedest to, to crush it mm. uh, and goodness knows what's going on with the whole facebook <laughs> google slash um, <laughs> you know scott morrison's uh, uh, agenda and legislation there i can't make head or tail of it that's why i'm hoping to get someone on to talk to us talk to us about it yeah. But, you know, with all this going on, I would just think that the ABC would just do a little bit better than they're doing right now. That's what they have to do. And it has to be the the outside ABC who has to come in. You know, like I've written in the editorial last year that um, we need the, 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 the big ABC, the real ABC that's anchored in the real world outside of this bubble that is the NT and is the Darwin political bubble. We need them to take strong action and protect the integrity of the public broadcast because a lot's at stake here. And, and right now, they are tarnishing the reputation of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation until they come in and handle this. I don't know how many more examples of this we have to go. And, and again, I'm not trying to throw, you know, crap on the, um, on the reporters there or even the radio people. I mean, there's so many good people that I work there with. It's just when you get an incident like this, it's heightened and it's magnified because the original problem was never dealt with. And until they deal with that original problem, every time something like this comes up, people are going to say, well, this is it. Their credibility is compromised and their integrity is compromised. So fix it now. Like get somebody up here to to fix this because they're not managing this well at all. And while I don't wish to repeat myself, I'm still coming to grips with the fact that what we talked about at the start of this point is the fact that the vote against democracy last week included the person who the vote was about being allowed to vote. I'm still. Yeah dumbfounded by that i don't even know if that's constitutional but anyway i know nothing about the constitution um shall we move on gentlemen we're looking into it don't worry <laughs> for, for constitution. Good. good good look another story uh making the news this week chris is that uh the assistant police commissioner michael hebb has resigned <laughs> after Sorry, a relationship yeah. <laughs> With a female colleague, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Mean, would you, Pete, can I, can I offer you a side scandal to go with your main scandal here? <laughs> sure. I'd love, yeah. a, I'd love a side dish. Because <laughs> that's what this is looking like. I mean, this is... Uh, look, uh, nobody's saying that the, the relationship... Well, I mean, that, you know, everything appears to be consensual and everything like that. Um, whether or not it was appropriate, you've got an assistant commissioner. Um, this... Uh, you know, so he resigns and he resigns in the days that follow this coming out. I think it had been a couple of weeks. People are talking about this this affair that he had and this woman who who also works with police. Although I can say, like, she's not she's not a police officer. She was considered a, a civilian employee there, um, and that the, just how inappropriate it was, and and that you know the woman was connected to some other people too as well. And it just is like, you know, they were saying that the cops that we're talking about, they're talking to, 
we're telling us, look, everybody knew about this. The, the fifth floor knew about it. Um, the senior ranks of the, of the police brass knew about it. And it just became untenable. His position became untenable. Um, we sent questions, of course, to the NT News. I know they did. A, I think they got a statement saying that we're not going to say anything. We sent questions. And, of course, ours were just completely ignored about this. Uh, but, you know, we're running the story anyway. We don't need uh, permission from Rob Cross or Jamie Jocker to run something. One of the things that, that we that, that kind of came out in the story that we should probably make clear maybe um, was, uh, you know, somebody, a, a police officer, a source had sent us a screenshot of this internal memo that went out announcing that Michael Hebb was retiring. And there was no explanation in there whatsoever, uh, or not retiring, just resigning, I guess. And there was no explanation in there whatsoever why. And I think, you know, you had your standard things. We, we wish him all the best or something. And people were saying, what's going on here? And it said, you know, not for wider circulation on top. Now, I understand why the police would, would maybe do that and want to give the heads up to their staff first about that. So that not for wider circulation, though, that's always like, just don't try that because it's always going to come out. It's always going to get like that. <laughs> Makes and, it more uh, juicy for you. Yeah. You know how many of those I've seen? Like, yeah, I'm sure them are, you get some really good stories out of that when it <laughs> says not for wider circulation. Like the one about how they were told to lie. Yeah. Public about how many things. Like, that was a good one. Yes. So, so look, I get why they would want to, to do this internally first, but then there's no explanation. There's no explanation offered to any staff. And then he just doesn't put out a public statement. And then finally he, he gives the, the NT news some sort of statement. doesn't say anything, but, you know, wishing him the best, patting him on the back. Um, the, the, the thing is now this, this, this points to a bigger issue and a structural issue in the police. And, and, and we know that it's been, that there's so many issues with the police now. Like, my God, I thought it was bad back in the McRoberts days when he was having affairs. Remember <laughs> Yeah, with the travel agent, John, and, and all this stuff. I mean, and that seemed like morale was low. And then this, like, since Trogger has Jake taken over in, uh, what was it, November, October, October, November 2019, uh, this has just been shocking. This, the, the officers that we talked to, I mean, you see the crime rates being high. You see that, like, 10 are leaving a month. You know, I, you know we're hearing stories that they're putting out you know, disciplinary notices on officers just to keep them because they can't actually transfer if they have this disciplinary notice. I mean, that's what they're trying ah. to do just to keep them from leaving at this point. It's stop oh. them with disciplinary notices. So like we're, 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 we're looking into all of that stuff some more, but police are completely in disarray. I mean, we, we talked about the Ghana government really floundering yeah. here, but the police have not seemed to have been stable for a while. And then you've got something like this, where this, this, this affair that happens, this relationship becomes the talk of the town again, as they were talking about the Ghana government and all their problems. And before, yeah. oh, did you also hear about the senior police officer and, and who he's sleeping with and, <laughs> and who, and who, who she might also be sleeping with. And, and, you know, it just gets to the point where, yeah, this guy realizes that it's untenable. He resigns. Um, there's some other issues at play here too, that, that, that that's all still very cloudy. Now, the thing that they need to do again which nobody gets. I mean, Rob Cross was the editor. He's the media manager for, for the police. He was the editor at ABC for a while. You think he would understand communications a little better than this. You don't just run and hide and not address it. You need to address it. And even, even Gunner and Nicole Madison have not been out this week since that, but, but there are certainly some questions to them. I mean, what is going on in, in, the, in the senior ranks of police right now? If you got a scandal like this going on, 
um, you know, where this guy feels that the, the, his resignation's in order. Oh, and then, and then did the other person resign too? There's some, some allegations that that happened. I've been able to confirm that completely, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they, they've got to address this. There needs to be some stability with police. And my God, it's just been one thing after another for the past, you know, 18 months. Doesn't this kind of all make sense, though? If, if the government's in disarray, as has been described, and their communication policy is up the spout and it's, it's basically a free-for-all there, it doesn't just filter down through the other, you know, major government or semi-government departments. It, it would. You would think that the police would be separate from that, though. That, like, you know, it's the police. They're supposed to be holding themselves. Look, you know, they're the ones who will get drug tested. <laughs> I'm not the people doing drugs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. you know, that they that they should be separate and doing their. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. When, when, you, when you look at that, again, we, we talk about, you know, leading by example and stuff. And Gunner's certainly not been able to do that. But there seems to be if you take the police as a separate whole thing and what their issue is, is that there's a lot of resentment with Jamie Chalker amongst rank and file police officers. And he doesn't seem to be able to get in front of that. He doesn't be, seem to be able to, to calm them. And then, you know, he's dealing with, you know, whatever Nicole Madison or Gunner is, is saying too, and what they want mm. him to do to make it look politically convenient for them. Um, I don't know. I don't, but you're right. I mean, the fifth floor, the, the minister and the, um, and the chief yeah. minister certainly have a role to play in that and that stability and that the whole thing's falling apart there, really. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the thing is that, um, you know, what I would have thought, and again, I'm, I'm not too close to those circles. So this is just from the outside looking in, but you know, the, the, the police have felt hamstrung and felt under siege with, with all the crime that's going on. Um, Abandoned, we, yeah. we hear about the revolving door in terms of the court system and, you know, where does that funding come from or where does that direction come from? So you can you can see how easy it would be to take your eye off the ball. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah, and especially in the NT, this is not an easy place to be, uh, police officers and, of course, yeah, yeah the frontline people, I understand their frustrations and they feel abandoned by by, by the brass and the, and the government and they're not doing anything for them to make things better. They're making yeah. them work you know, longer and harder. And, um, you know, they, one of the big policies that Chalker brought in was mandatory remote service for everybody. So you're talking about people who, who may have been there in senior roles now have to go, uh, even with families, I guess, would have to, to move them and do remote stuff for a while. That was an unpopular bet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, policy directive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and only because, you know, Chalker walked around about how he had done it before, so he thinks everybody else should do it. You know, it's... <laughs> The worst yeah. kind of dad you'd ever want. <laughs> I joined the military. Yeah. You go join. That's you go right. to war. I went to war. You go to war. It's like those um, old stories we used to hear about grandpa walking 20 miles to the horse and cart to get to school every day with no <laughs> shoes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Jamie Chalker was a cop in a remote community for three years with no shoes, <laughs> no pants, that, but he still took everybody down. No vehicle. Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah, like they, they, they've got some issues there um it doesn't look like that's going to be resolved anytime soon but i, I really want to hear what the, the minister nicole madison has to say about this and yeah. uh, this resignation exactly what's going on there because yeah like i said the rumors the rumors are going all crazy now too that that, that other people are involved and that um 
And like I said, and you do, you just don't know. And Darwin is what turns out that ninety five percent of the rumors here are true. If you like, br- I, <laughs> if you bring up polyamorous relationships again, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just stick the non binary ones, whatever that, whatever that means. I still don't know what that means. Uh, confusing. Well, on the subject of Jamie Chalker, um, I want to pivot away from the independent for a minute and discuss an NT news story that came out, which is something that I think um, a lot of our listeners are going to be very interested in hearing about if they haven't uh, already already look at it. And that is a story by one of your mates, as a matter of fact, Chris, Matt Cunningham. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote that uh, we know uh, that the problem is there. We know it's a societal problem. It's one we're dealing with. Spike in alcohol, drug abuse, and gambling linked to extra money. And the byline is extra stimulus payments and early access to superannuation have been linked to massive spikes in alcohol abuse, gambling, and drug use among Indigenous territorians, according to documents obtained through FOI. Do you uh, do you know much about that at all, uh, Chris? No, look, I haven't had a chance to talk to, to Matt about that story this week. Uh, just what I've read, too. I mean, some of the stuff in there. So it, it appears to me, and like I said, I haven't been able to talk to Matt about it, but I'm sure I will, um, that, it, that it was some briefing notes that were FOI that were sent to the minister, uh, the federal minister, Ken Wyatt, on all of this. And um, it, it, yeah, some of that stuff is pretty troubling. I mean, it, it seems to be briefings to him uh, informing him of oh we've got a problem here and this problem is that uh the, yeah the w- the way that the the the, the covid have been handled and you would think beneficially for the rest of australia appears not to have had that same benefit in in remote communities and, and um uh, yeah they would be in a position where yeah, look, I think that in his first story, and, and, and Matt since kind of rolled it out to, to look at other things too, right? That there was um, there were a lot of cars being bought and uh, white goods uh-huh. and things as well, and that they were cashing in the superannuation, quitting their jobs and buying, making these massive things. And 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 one of the things said, you know, do somebody put up the solution? You know, does there need to be you know financial education here, like that? A little better understanding of, of of what how to you know budget the money and deal with the money, but yeah, look, we've heard this from Jocker before that um, that the problems exacerbated around the time of COVID. One, you had the domestic violence stuff behind closed doors because they were not going anywhere; they were in their communities, would drink and uh, and uh, get into domestic situations like that, and then you had it where. Um, a lot of people like we heard that that was one of the uh, reasons for the big crime spike in Alice Springs was mm-hmm. that when they were allowed off the community that a lot of people were going into Alice Springs. They had this extra money from Centerlink. Um, and uh, of course, more more alcohol was was being consumed. And then even then and then you've got the, the, the grog running that was happening at the time, too. And that, that seemed to spike. So all of this thing with the money. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't look. I don't know any solutions about that or anything. I mean, but it is. It is. It, there's some interesting uh, remarks in that article, and I just want to yeah. read them to you. 
Uh, community leaders say the problems increased after biosecurity zones were lifted on June the 5th last year and people shifted to major centres. Police have reported huge increases in domestic violence and alcohol fueled assaults in Alice Springs, we know that, Tennant Creek, Catherine and Darwin in the past 12 months. Domestic violence incidents in Alice Springs rose 32%, while alcohol-related assaults in Tennant Creek were up 54%. Yeah. I mean, these are incredible statistics, and if they all get attributed to the COVID payments, increased COVID payments paid through the, you know, the measures under COVID-19, it's, uh, it's just nothing but diabolical, Chris. Because we are all sitting here talking about crime every single day of the week. Yeah. And if we and if this is attributed to COVID nineteen payments, you know, what the heck have we done? Yeah. 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 And and it, it seems that like I was saying that the policies there there wasn't much consideration given to how that would affect no. the remote communities differently and, and should they have done something differently at that time. There. Not, not just remote communities, though. The long-term unemployed. It, 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 it I mean, it, we saw the same in Victoria. There was same in other parts of the country. The long-term unemployed. While you could definitely argue that whatever the dole is called now, what you know, whatever it, it was called before, um, job seeker. You, you could absolutely argue that it's not enough to live on. I understand that, but to double it overnight for a six-month or ten-month or whatever it was, period, it's like tats lotto to them. And yeah. you're absolutely right. They don't have any financial nows. They don't have any education on it. And unfortunately, where you've got this long-term unemployed situation, you've also got high incidence of smoking, high incidence of drug use, and high incidence of alcohol use and abuse. So what did they think was going to happen? <laughs> well, well, I can tell you this, uh, Pete. Uh, just reading on from that article, it says the reason for the increased youth crime is because of the increased alcohol consumption by the parents that can mm. be drawn straight from the increased Centrelink payments, he said. Mr. Chalker said the increase in alcohol consumption driven by the extra money was a major factor behind the rise in the number of children on the streets. Now, you're just a resident with UP. Yeah. We know the problem is there. We know it's a societal problem. It's one we're dealing with, but unfortunately, we know that alcohol is causing that violence and then the level of, of apprehension that the kids say, well, I'm not staying at home, I'm going to town." Yeah, yep. So it's a territory-wide issue, not just Palmerston. Can I just ask this very, yeah. I hope it's a sensitive question for Chris, right? You get accused of being paternalistic, but why can't we control the money going into these communities through a debit card system instead of just access to cash. Yeah. Why, yeah. why can't we have a card system that says, right, here are your payments. You can only use it to buy groceries and other essential uh, you know, items. You're yeah. not going to be able to use it to buy it. Is that being too paternalistic, given the problems that we can't Yeah, the, the, the problems are the issue, and then you get into the rights of people, I think, and, and yeah, they think that yeah, they should be able to have a drink if they're responsible and they're not causing problems. But 
Yeah, look, that's a whole other issue, isn't it? And I, I, I can't, I can't profess to know a lot of a lot of the ins and outs of how that that's all going to work. But um, mm. yeah, this one <laughs> it clearly caused issues, though, with how they, they they rolled this out. And I guess you know, in the remote communities, yeah, you have the access to to grog. In the cities, it was toilet paper, you know. So people are going to do stupid things no <laughs> yeah. matter what. <laughs> Yeah. people hoarding it doesn't lead to kids being left on streets you know no and, no and certainly not like, but yeah, yeah. But, but that's the issue for, for, for me that, that that is the driving issue look we know alcohol is creating problems so how do you stop the amount of alcohol being consumed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and then but then you got to think that did they did they know that i mean early on early on in the pandemic uh, the police started focusing on the grog running and stopping it. So they clearly knew that, that there was, that this is what was happening and this was leading to it. So why didn't anyone make any adjustments at that point to the overall policies and how, how it was working? Grog, I don't, how, how is grog running going to work if people don't have cats? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, why didn't they do an overall look at it, what was causing that? And then at the time, cause they were focused on that. They knew it was a serious issue. So yeah, I, I don't know. It just seemed like something got lost there and how they were rolling this out. The other thing too, though, Leon, and, uh, you know, I might get hate mail for actually saying this, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. If you've never had a job, if you're not actively looking for a job, you've got no interest in getting a job, and every two weeks your money turns up courtesy of the federal government, then... I'm not sure you have the right to say, oh, well, I want to spend it all on alcohol or cigarettes or whatever. I think the, I think the government does have some right to be able to say what you can and can't spend it on. Mm. You don't have arguments for me on that, mate. <laughs> okay. Hey, just, yeah. just on this topic, because it's slightly left of it, but I'm interested just to get either of your opinions and, and if you can shed some more light on it, I'd be interested to know. I, I read something the other day. Now, I, I mentioned on a podcast earlier this week about Britney Spears. I'm a bit passionate about this at the moment because she's under this conservatorship situation where she essentially doesn't have the right to determine anything in her life, including her money, her health care, et cetera, et cetera. I heard a story come out of the NT where uh, I think in, in Australia it's called guardianship, not conservatorship, but where uh, guardians for six NT residents have gone to court in order to get a ruling to have them mandatorily vaccinated for COVID-19. And the court at this stage have uh, said, well, we're not going to rule on it immediately. But is this, has this made news this week that you guys are aware of? And, and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, look, I haven't, no, I'm not familiar with that. I, and they said it happened in the antique. Yes. And they went yes. to court. Yeah. They went and to court to, to force them to get the vaccine. Yeah. And look, yeah, the reason. Look into that. The reason why I bring it up, and and I hope my assumption, you know, I'm, I'm making a right assumption, but I assumed that it would be related to Indigenous people, um, yeah. and and them not having the right to choose, you know, whether to be vaccinated or not. In in the case of these six individuals, yeah. Did you did you know anything about that, Leon? I don't. That's very interesting. I have yeah. To go look. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll dig it up and I'll send it to you. But I guess they, their guardians have deemed that they're that at risk that they just need to be vaccinated. You know. Um, oh, was that was that a was that an ABC story? Do you know? I don't know. I gotta. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do. That might have just fallen through the cracks here. I can tell you it was a Google News story, but I'll have to find uh, which outlet actually put it out. Leo will probably tell me it's rubbish. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Um, following on from a, uh, a previous story, Chris, uh, from a few months ago, I think it was, the new NT Park fees have been announced. Yeah, that's it. We're, we're doing it. We're going ahead with it. I, like, <laughs> how this whole thing got rolled out from the beginning was ridiculous, right? That they let this, they, they didn't control the narrative around this from the beginning. And and just keep in mind that 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 the whole park fees being being raised like that was part of I don't know if, I can't remember if it was Langeland or the other separate root and branch review I think it was the root and branch review though at the time of the fiscal crisis saying here's what you can do to raise revenue because you guys got a real revenue problem and uh, and so they they took that under advisement said they were going to do it for that but now like you get all these mixed messages they're saying it's going back into parks um, is it gonna it's not going to raise anything from what I can see anything substantial. And then of course you've got extra costs because then Michael Gunner decided that it wouldn't, you can't just raise the, the, the fees without providing better service. And so now they're going to develop a whole online booking system. <laughs> it's going to cost like $5 million. So it's going to end up causing us more money to do all than to, to raise the fees than it would to have just left it. I think like, and and without playing the role of the village idiot or the or the smart aleck, um, is it actually a revenue problem that we've got, or is it a spending problem yeah, that we've got? Exactly, yeah, exactly. But they said, look, yeah, you need some more cash. You can't just, uh, yeah, you can't just rely on on the Fed. So their yeah. own source revenue is so small that they have to expand that, and this is their their best idea. They didn't control the message on this from the beginning. Uh, again, the timing of it. I mean, in the middle of this pandemic, uh, uh, well, I mean, is, are we in the middle now? But I mean, this has been clearly the worst year uh, for tourism in the NT that anyone can remember. And, uh, you know, science that has bounced back here now. So, but do you really want to be doing this? Now, trying to get like people's opinion on it, right? Like industry stakeholders and stuff. There were some people who come out and, and spoken about it. One, industry rep so this is the chief executive of tourism central australia a guy named daniel i don't know how to pronounce that rockford maybe it's rockford that's maybe more anglicized um anyway he uh he gets up uh, he was on mixer the other day and he said ah look at the end of the day other jurisdictions have done this i haven't had a call from any tourism operator in central australia to say the world's going to come crashing down because of it <laughs> i think the important thing is making sure that the fees raised through this process are reinjected back into the parks both through infrastructure and services okay fair enough now today the guy's saying the exact opposite thing on abc he's saying <laughs> that the government didn't consult with anybody this is really bad timing of this so he's the world's falling in yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this guy's crashing down all around me. I'm guessing that, like, you know, it's what I said on radio. Sometimes you, you can get away with saying saying silly things, and the, and and people don't hear it. Sometimes when you put it in writing, 
Yeah. I think people, somebody read this and said, wait a second, I called that guy. And I said, no, we got a serious issue with this. And so clearly some people called him yesterday and this morning. He's on the defensive now saying, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean that. I meant <laughs> it's, an idea. Like, it's just it's stupid. But look, I think that his original comments actually make sense to some extent. That Yeah. Look, if it is reinjected back into the national parks. Yeah. then look, I don't think a lot of people have an issue. Territorians, of course, we we won't have to pay this for some time. I don't know if we're being grandfathered in or what. There's um, but territories are going to be exempt for for mostly, uh, and then there's money that's going to be that's going to be um, divvied up uh, with traditional owners. Uh, Selena Yubo wasn't too clear on that though, and this, this this points again to what I was saying: the government just kind of floundering here. But she was asked, you know, you're given that fifty percent. Uh, she said uh, she would have to look into it. Um, so she wasn't really sure what she was getting out and, and selling to people either. And then, but then just the dumb thing that just went crazy is just this, this whole online camping booking system that's going to cost millions. (laughs) (laughs) They'll outsource it overseas probably. Oh God. Yeah. So the next story will be about that when that tender goes out. Cause that's, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's end this, uh, with a story I gotta, I'm going to have to really show my ignorance here. <laughs> Ghana opened to two testing of festivals. PLP calls it reckless. Yeah, but it's, it's good news for those planning on taking some disco biscuits at Base in the Grass this year. So what do you and think? It, they test? Mm. What they so they just t- test the – like, let's put it like this. I was going to do this, Leon, seriously, but I thought, like, no, I can't because we're not a satire. Like, it's, it's not – this is serious. <laughs> I was going to say Gunner now backs drug testing, dot, 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 but only for quality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's essentially what, what he's Test if it's here. pure or not. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for purity. So drugs are illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Leon, what, hap- what happens is, right, sorry to cut you off, but I know where you're going. What happens is in Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane and big cities is people go to these festivals and they take these pills even though they know they're illegal and many times kids end up dying as a result of the crap that these drug dealers or the people that make these drugs put in them, right? Because an ecstasy pill, for example, there's not a, it's not like baking a cake. There's not an exact recipe for it. They just take whatever they can and, and that stuff often kills people. So it's happened down south a lot where they'll actually test the quality of the pill or the drugs or whatever it is that people are going to take um, so that they don't end up with people dying. So let me get this straight. You go into one of these concerts, you take out your little bag of pills, you give it to a, a police officer, no, it's usually like a pharmacist. Third party. Like some, yeah. 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 And they take it, they stick it in, uh, under a microscope or uh, they do some sort of chemical analysis. Have you watched the um, the um, uh, shows where they arrive in Australia? You know, the what's it called? The the, air, the airport shows? Yeah. And, they, yeah. and they, just, they just take a little bit of it and they get it. They put a um, discovery agent with it and it turns up a certain color and that tells them what's in it. Like, You're good to go. You're good to go. You can drop yeah, that disco yeah, biscuit. Your Enjoy life. your night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. 
Okay, maybe they should introduce on the fifth floor cruise. <laughs> 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 but not testing, not drug testing. <laughs> yeah, but don't yeah, don't test them just, after that. Just quality good. testing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the whole thing, and a lot of people were getting upset because, of course, harking back to to last week, where uh, where Gunner made the just I <laughs> politically uh, just crazy decision to say that the police should be drug tested, but politicians and their staffers shouldn't be. And I, yeah, I just like don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how he justified that, and really, we should just keep on him about that because. Uh, or the journalists who get to ask him questions because <laughs> there's no way to defend that. There's just no way to defend that. So a lot of people today when, uh, or yesterday when that story went up, were, uh, were quick to jump all over Gunner about that and saying that I, I think a lot of people thought that, that it was maybe something else, but it's actually the pills that get tested, not the people going in, um, <laughs> to the thing. But yeah, uh, I've always talked about in Darwin, I think there was, because there's been such, talk uh, comment commentary on uh, on cocaine and people saying how 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 poor it is here so yeah um yeah maybe gunner will make sure it gets a little better <laughs> but yeah look it's just uh yeah it's just him him having different views when it when it suits him right i mean there's nothing really uniform about any of this uh yeah so that's that's our guy that's our leader doesn't make a lot of sense again this but this is another floundering thing, right this is another thing where he and files had said this isn't on our agenda we're not doing it but on tuesday as he's being interviewed and the scandal stuff's coming up again he throws this one out there uh, it's just like it's, it's it's not planned like the, he, he i don't know if he had talked to anybody if he had talked to the health minister about it beforehand or anything because they'd said before they weren't going to do it so we just get back into this, like just shows how destabilized he is here and that they're just throwing anything out there and hoping it takes away from it. So mm. uh, let's see where this goes here. Um, yeah, I think that there's there's still some some stuff. I think there's some stuff in the background going on. And I think that, you know, there's some other information coming out about other people now, of course, when you when you have a big thing like this, and this was significant in the in the sense that it took down an MLA and one of Gunner's most senior advisors, um, that other people start talking and they start talking about other people, and uh, everybody's kind of dirty laundry starts to come out, and so we're hearing a lot of stories about that. Of course, <laughs> we we need to verify things, but I, can I just say that there is a running theme and. Uh, and it does point to a toxic culture on the fifth floor where it does seem to be a free for all for, um, yeah, for, for a lot of powerful people there kind of doing whatever they like. And, uh, but we'll see where that goes. And we know, we know police are investigating and we know ICAC's looking into it too. So yeah. well, look, we'll I, I wasn't planning uh, to talk about this, but just to mention, just when you mentioned free for all and power, power plays, uh, what I'm seeing, uh, from, from where I sit, just dealing with some of uh, some of the issues that people have been talking to me about, there are some public servants there that are just running um, riot. Mm. Just, just, it, just no connection whatsoever with the, with the private sector at all. Uh, that the way they speak to people, it's uh, it, it's quite alarming, and I'm just, I'm, I'm still. Um, uh, you know, uh, so still dealing with some of these things, but uh, at some point in time, Chris, um, some of this behavior is going to have to be exposed. It's just mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's the only way to fix this place. Like to to but 
like I said before, I mean, they get caught up in this and they think it'll be their turn and like nobody, there's no appetite to fix it man, from the people inside who should be. So we've got to put it out there. We've got to expose it and, and ultimately hope that, that in doing so that it gets fixed, it gets repaired. But again, we've seen that there's no appetite. We've seen a lot of self-interest here for a long time in people and people that lead and people in positions of power. And, uh, and uh, I don't know how you correct that. And, and then the, that's probably going to take a while. But I think the first step is to, is what you say, exposing it, putting it out there, letting everybody know that the that, that public's not going to accept it either. So, um, yeah. So anyway, more to come on that for sure, guys. And, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> right, well, thanks very much. Chris. Yeah. Thanks guys. Week four next week, Chris, we want more gossip. That was Chris Walsh from the NT independent online newspaper weekends with Walshie back again next week on the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms or go to territorystory.com. The Territory Story Podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.